0: Hello, and welcome to the Telehealth OT Podcast, where occupational therapists, parents, caregivers, and patients share their telehealth stories. My name is Dr. Reyna Oliveira, and I am the owner of Telehealth OT Services, where we specialize in working with children with autism and also provide education and trainings to occupational therapists about telehealth. I have been able to share my story with the world, and now I am extremely happy to give others the opportunity to do the same. Welcome everyone to this week's episode. We are rolling with the Canadians back to back. That was purely coincidence. I just found out Sarah's also in Canada, like Lindsay. So welcome, Sarah, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I've been looking for someone who's doing telehealth with adults, so I can't wait to hear about your story. But first, tell us
1: how you first learned about occupational therapy. Yeah, good question. So I first learned about occupational therapy when I was in high school. So I worked at a summer camp for kids with disabilities through uh, the Easter Seals, and so that got me really interested in working in in the area of um, of healthcare. And I was we had some occupational therapists come into the camp so that you know to do some training with the camp counselors. So that was uh, a bit of a good experience for me to learn about OT. Um, And then I had the opportunity in high school to do a job shadow for a couple days. There was um, a a religious holiday off school that I didn't celebrate, but a huge population of my school did. So I was uh, told to find someone to shadow. And I ended up getting, uh, I was following a a physiotherapist at um, a treatment center. But as I was following the physiotherapist, I realized I was much more interested in what the occupational therapist was doing. Uh, So that's how I found out about it. Yeah.
0: Wow. I love that you. There there we are. I love that you've known about it for so long. Like I always put people in two categories, like the ones that knew about it from the very beginning. And then those of us that didn't know about it until like later, like second career type stuff. So I'm fascinated when people are like, yeah, I've known about it like since high school. I'm like, all right. Like, I, I don't know. I missed it. I missed a memo, but here we are. (laughs) <laughs> so, well, I can't even, I wanted to jump into my next question, but I can't even help but like, see, I wish this was, there was like a visual for everybody else that's listening, but you're, you're in your therapy office, I'm assuming, because there's like a therapy ball mm-hmm. and a couple of things. So is this where you're doing your telehealth? Well, all right, we'll backtrack. Is, where, did you first yes. about, where did you first hear about telehealth? And then we'll jump into your office
1: space. Sure. Well, I've been doing telehealths um, as a hybrid model since before COVID, um, and I've been doing it entirely for the last year. Um, but uh, so I'm I'm in Ottawa, uh, which is a spot which gets some pretty severe winter conditions. So I started off with. Um, so I should tell you who I work with. Is I work with adults. Um, what, what I call invisible health challenges. So for the most part, that's uh, persistent pain, sleep issues, and mood issues. And almost all of that, I was doing visiting people's homes, mm-hmm. and also sometimes workplace or meeting people in the community. So meeting people at a library or a hiking trail, that kind of thing. So I was out and about all, all the time. But in the winter, sometimes there were days when it was not safe for driving, Mm. So my my general rule was if school buses are canceled because of the weather, then I was not going to drive to clients. Um, and so I would telephone people and we would do it that way. Mm. So that's how I started. And then I started getting some clients that were quite rural. And so again, the hybrid model was helpful because I would see them alternating weeks uh, and not have, uh, you know, see people with 45 minutes or an hour of travel each way. And uh, it was... Through a third-party payer who was actually covering my travel time, but I did say to them, "That's a lot of—it's a lot of travel time. It's both hard for me to fit in to my week, even if you're paying for me, paying mm-hmm. for it, and it becomes a pretty big invoice for a one-hour appointment when I'm yeah. really spending three hours on the appointment." So, um, so I said, "Well, why don't I go alternating weeks, you know, so that I can be in the client's home, really get to know them in their own space, and have a face-to-face." contact. But then in the weeks in between, I could do an hour appointment and follow up on how's that action plan that we came up with last week going and how can we tweak it and problem solve it. Mm -hmm. And then I did start using some video conferencing for that. And then the third way that I started using it as a hybrid was, um, so a good chunk of my clients are funding through Workplace Safety and Insurance Board or Veterans Affairs Canada, so younger veterans who've retired with um, with post-traumatic stress disorders okay. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'd have private clients who uh, wanted to work with me, which is great. But it became hard to justify if they live 20 minutes or half an hour away from me. You know, it starts to right. be a lot of ask to cover, for them to cover my travel time, yeah. every time. So it was a way to make it more affordable as well for, for clients um, to do the hybrid. So that's how I started with using some some telehealth. I love that.
0: It's in line with like how telehealth started, like access to rural areas, like the distance, the weather, like all these things that I explained to people as the benefits of telehealth for both the patients and the providers. I mean, it is a lot to have to drive so far out every single time. Like you just said, it just doesn't make any sense. And when you can do a lot of the same things via telehealth, Absolutely. So tell us about your office space. I'm just like fascinated. I don't know. Like everyone always sees my office, but I don't get to see everybody else's office. So
1: well, share, give a little visual for the. For sure. The- so I'll move a bit here so you can see. So I said a chunk of what I do as well is I'm a mindfulness meditation teacher, um, as well as an occupational therapist. So I've got in the background there, a, a meditation stool there that, that wood bench there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got um, Right there is, a, I've got a yoga mat over there, which I lay out for kind of lying down meditations and a bolster and a weighted blanket for, again, for my own meditation practice. And I also use, you know, show the equipment to, I um, I use mindfulness with my own individual clients. I also teach a course for people with persistent pain, and I teach mindfulness to other occupational therapists. So it's helpful to have my equipment here, because those are you know, online courses that teaching in this space from, from here. So it's helpful to have a lot of different, you know, the, the tools and stuff that I use for my own meditation. And then I show clients for different positions that one could meditate in lying down. Um, I have a a meditation cushion and the meditation bench. And as I say, for, for other occupational therapists, when I'm teaching that
0: course. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is like something i I mean, I I know about mindfulness, but I don't know like a lot about meditation as much as I feel like, you know, like I didn't even know there was a specific stool. Like this is, um, I love this. This is part of the benefits of like doing a podcast. If anyone listening has thought about doing a podcast, like you get to meet amazing people that bring such different, I don't know, like qualities and stuff and learn about everything that you do. So
1: anyway, yeah. Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the things I love about teaching of course, to other occupational therapists. So I get yes. occupational therapists from all over the world joining together and telling me about what they're doing in their practice and kind of step back and say, wow, we have an amazing profession because we got yes. people working for, you know, what with all ages, using all different types of modalities, people in hospitals, people in uh, private practice, people in the community. So yeah, it is, it is a really neat thing to be able to interact with other OTs. Oh my gosh. I love it. So, all right. So
0: let's go back to the patients that you're seeing, Hmm. mostly dealing with the invisible um, disabilities, which something like sparked in my mind. Have you heard about like this daisy lanyard that I guess people with mental health or like invisible disabilities are wearing to kind of like alert other people that they have like a condition, even though they're like walking and talking fine, but they have like something else going on. I don't know. I saw that somewhere ah, when you said daisy that lanyard. Out. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Look that up. Okay. Um, I will. Thank you. <laughs> so, so tell us like your approach to working with them. Like what do you, how do you set up a session with them?
1: Um, you know, what does that look like? Absolutely. So in the last, as so I'll switch to kind of how it's going now, which is all of my practice is, uh, is using telehealth. Yes. Um, and so I try to we do a lot in our sessions rather than, um, you know, there's, it, it, I think we can veer towards more just talking when it's telehealth rather than right. being as, um, as doing as we tend to be as OTs. So I'm mm-hmm. constantly trying to make sure that the appointments are kind of varying positions and movement and activities. So most of my sessions would start with some type of grounding exercise Depending on the client's goals and the client's interests, that might be a longer meditation or it might be a two-minute grounding exercise. We start Mm -hmm. with something along those lines, and then we typically go to kind of the action plan that they had from the week before, um, which often has to do with plans that they had for for meals, plans that they had for exercise, um, how the any particular changes that we made, um, went with their sleep habits so we kind of review their their action plan and then often we're doing something like if they had to follow up with a specialist or uh they might they might make a phone call during the appointment because i try not to leave people at the end of the appointments with a huge list of things to do i want people to feel kind of on top of it, at the end of the appointment, they feel like, okay, I got some stuff done. I'm on a roll. Let me keep going rather than, oh my gosh, I just had this OT appointment. Now I've got to do all this stuff. Yeah. So sometimes that means they're washing their dishes in the middle of the appointment. For people that I'm struggling to get outside these days, especially with the pandemic, mm-hmm. I've done quite a lot of appointments where, um, so normally I'm using secure video conferencing. So I right. use a platform. I have um, a practice management software and I use the video conferencing over that. But if I'm trying to get people outside more, we'll put on our earbuds and get our telephones and they'll walk and all walk. And so we'll do our problem solving and stuff on our distanced walking I appointments. I
0: love it. I love it. Like this this cross between like nature-based and telehealth which seems so like far apart but you've totally just blended it together by both of you going outside for a walk.
1: That's amazing. Yeah that's amazing uh, um because yeah that's particularly during during COVID been a really big challenge a lot of my clients live by themselves yeah and a lot of them you know we'd worked up to them using gyms for instance okay and that's those have been close so it's uh yeah. and it's hard to motivate yourself to get outside when it's super cold. Right. Yeah. For for people sure. who aren't winter sport enthusiasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the biggest
0: questions that I get asked all the time is how do you establish rapport via telehealth? So give us your version of how you're connecting with these clients, especially the adults that you're seeing. Like, I feel like it may be even harder for me. I can connect with a kiddo by like talking about a favorite toy of theirs, like it just seems like easier. So walk us through how you establish rapport.
1: Yeah, so I think it, I do find it easier to establish rapport when we start with video. Uh, And not everyone has the technology to do that. Not everyone has a device with a camera or enough internet. So that adds a different challenge. But assuming people have video, I find I start with the video. And you know, we will leave things like going for a walk um, till a bit later. And I would say I'm doing it the way that I do it normally. So you mentioned about asking a kid about a favorite toy. I'll see someone in the room that they're in, and, uh, you know, there might be a wedding photo or a photo of a kid or a dog walks in. So I've got a, you know, there's something in their home environment to um, to see, the practice management software I use doesn't let people put a background on or anything like that, like Zoom. So there's, yeah. you know, there's something I can see from them. I'm not seeing them sitting on a dock or whatever right. background <laughs> they've chosen. So that's helpful. And I'm asking them right away, you know, what changes do you want to make? And how can I help you with that? What can I do to support you? I'm trying to give them some tools right away. We're like, during the assessment phase, it's a bit more dynamic. I find that the first, at the first, the beginning beginning of doing some of these assessments, I'd ask people to show me around their house. Well, that was like watching the Blair Witch Project. Like it was just, it was kind of seasick by the end. So I've stopped that. Instead, if people do need um, some specific adaptations, like if people are saying, I'm really, you know, scared of falling in the shower with this back pain, I'm really stiff. I'll get them to walk away from their computer, go take some still photos Mm -hmm. and email them to me or upload them yeah. into their file for me so that I can look at the still photos with them. So it's a way for me to get to know their place without them, you know, showing me around showing where I'm right. kind of left not understanding what's where. But I do get them to describe their home to me, describe their who they live with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I mean, over time with people I'm, I'm, I should mention too, I actually am doing exposure therapy using telehealth. But oh, I'm wow. not doing that at the beginning either, right? Okay. So we're working up to a fair bit of rapport before I'm then challenging them. Challenging them. <laughs> so that that I do by either getting them to go somewhere, like if they're a paramedic that's off work, I might be getting them to drive closer to the paramedics headquarters. And then from there, you know, we're videoing, we're chatting, we do a meditation, we get them grounded, and then they might switch to audio, walk a little closer to paramedics, do a grounding exercise, come back to their car. Get them in a state where they're ending the appointment, oh
0: my downregulated. Gosh, I love it, and your voice is like so soothing and calm. <sighs> like you just bring this, like ah, oh. like I just came from like we just made breakfast. Like I have an appointment at 3:30. Hurry up! And I already feel like you're not even treating me, and I feel like ten times calmer. So I love this. Like I, you're, and you remind me of. Um, I haven't gotten her on the podcast, but I did. She did participate in one of my accelerator program presentations. Carlin ne- Neek mentioning some of the same like type of approaches, like bringing people back to work and like how you kind of you know step by step address those those issues. so, ah, oh, so good to hear this. I'm so glad you reach you know you reached out when I said I was looking for someone, especially doing adults because like I've heard all the p d stories, and this is such a unique perspective, like how you're doing some audio, some video, you're out, you're in the community, you're in their homes, like. Tell us more. What's your like best
1: telehealth story? Your favorite. One. I mean I think going for the walks is probably my best. Kind of really getting people out there, getting them to uh getting them to leave from their house. We start with just them updating me on their week, then ideally get them to somewhere where there's some trees. Now downtown Ottawa, but there's lots of green spaces. So finding somewhere with trees and then we do a bit of a nature-based meditation or grounding exercise, and we're doing that all by telephone. I love so that. that's that's definitely my favorite. I love and that. then there's other ones where I feel like we're getting a lot done. So I've got people who part of the one back to work is they need to sort through all their emails, for instance. So we'll mm-hmm. do screen sharing and they'll we'll get through their emails, which is you know an exposure exercise. Yeah. in and of itself, even though they're in their home. Um, I get people wearing their uniforms for work during the telehealth appointments, wow. even if they're off work. And I have to say, I loved teaching the course this fall for people with, with persistent pain. Mm-hmm. and that. So that course I've taught for a lot of years, it's mindfulness-based symptom management, and I've taught it at a clinic. This year, doing it online, and remember, people with persistent pain have a lot of medical appointments. They've got t- days that it's really tough to get out and get somewhere. One person leave the course part way through and realize it wasn't for him, but nobody else missed a session. Wow. Not one, eight weeks. Wow. Yeah. So how many that, days a week? It was just one day a week. So eight sessions. Week. Eight but, sessions. Yeah. So still people managed to get to every session. Yeah. Even if it was humid weather and their joints were acting up or whatnot. So I think that's been a big success too. Is being able to bring people together in a group and have people get there even when it was a really tough pain day.
0: Yeah. So compared to like when it was in person, I'm sure you had way more yeah.
1: cancellations. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's been another thing of moving to the practice management software is I've got you know, the automated email reminder two yes. days before and the text <laughs> reminder two hours before and they're in, they don't need me to come into their home. So it's just, they don't need to be, um, even though I'm very clear to people, you don't need to get your home in any particular state before I come. Yes. I think people sometimes, if their life is in chaos, they cancel because they just don't want another person in their home. Yeah. When it's telehealth, they can close the door to a room somewhere. and
0: Right. Like go up against the corner of a room and just have the wall showing. <laughs> Been there, done that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. We talked about this on the last episode too. It's like nobody, like I have, we have to tell people like nobody, we don't care what your house looks like. Like we're not going to judge you. We just want to help you. And the clients don't really care like what our space looks like, even though when I teach about telehealth, I'm like, make sure that's like clean as possible. And that you're not like something distracting in the background and try to have it, you know, be as, as tidy as possible. But we, they don't care what your house looks like. We don't care. Like everyone, they just want to know how we can help them. Absolutely. And that's it. And you're addressing that so well. So tell us more about your, um, well, actually I want to touch on a couple of things. if you don't mind me asking which practice, uh, management software are you using? I'm using Jane Jane. Okay, cool. I've heard, I've heard a little bit about Jane. Um, I don't know like what's available in Canada compared to what's available here. So it's always interesting to like learn about new platforms.
1: Yeah. I'm fairly certain Jane is made in in Vancouver. So it's a Canadian platform. I think it can be used by Americans as well, but, um, but it certainly met the standards of our regulatory bodies and I can do charting and uh, the, the video appointments and the reminders. And I, started using it a couple months before COVID, interestingly. Yeah. So that was, I think that's part of what made the transition to full telehealth really smooth for me. Right. Nice. I have a lot of colleagues whose, um, you know, client appointments and income went way down last March and April and people, mm-hmm. you know, needing to apply for government assistance and so forth. But I felt like already having set up that practice management software, I felt like it was a matter of, just saying to clients, okay, you've already got your login, and we're just going to meet. You now need to push this button. It's now a telehealth appointment, at least for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks <laughs> turned
0: into almost a year now. That's crazy. Ah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been really helpful. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. So tell us about the course. Like, who? How are you getting people into this course? How are you differentiating like your course from one-on-one treatment? Give us a little insight from the like entrepreneur perspective.
1: Absolutely. And just to clarify, I've got two separate mindfulness courses that I'm teaching, right? So there's the one for occupational therapists, which and we can formation. touch on in a minute, and the one yeah, so that one's an education one. So it's not therapeutic. Okay. Then the other one is for people with persistent pain. So it is a therapeutic program. Okay. So it's only available for people in Ontario because that's where I'm regulated as an right. occupational therapist. And I'm keeping, um, uh, I'm keeping a chart on each of those people and so forth. So it's definitely a, a therapy program. I've been teaching the course for a while and I was trained as a mindfulness teacher through the Ottawa Mindfulness Clinic. Mm-hmm. So I was trained there Then I taught there, they teach a number of courses for different uh, populations, but I taught the one for people with persistent pain. So as everything transitioned online, and my supervisors are are nearing retirement, so they've actually given up that physical space of the Ottawa Mindfulness Clinic. So a number of clients come through that clinic and come to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm now running it on my own, but the, uh, the administrative assistant will say, oh, I've got three more people who are interested in your program. Send me their contact info, so people do come at it that way. Okay. Um, so there's quite a, a long, a standing established clinic that right. people, you know, uh, psychologists and family doctors and stuff have been referring to for a long time. So people will come through that, and then as well, I've been I post it on various groups that I'm in and send it out to my email list and so forth, and uh, and so that's how I get clients for that. So that's going to be people who have self-identified that they really want to dive into mindfulness as, as an approach. Sometimes they often they have already got another OT and they come mm. to my group. I'd say that my I'd say my biggest referral source is other OTs for that group. Yeah. So um, so they might already be working with their OT. Their OT says this would be a good thing for you to dive into more seriously or more in, more in depth. So then they'll come to that course versus my if somebody calls me for a discovery call as a private client, I'll put that out as an option as well, assuming I'm offering it in the next couple months. Because okay. it's if I think that that's an appropriate tool for them, is mm-hmm. it's going to be more, you know, it's going to be more cost effective for them, and I think that having a group and consistent uh, weekly class provides a bit more accountability and i do see change faster over eight weeks to people who are in the course than people who are working with me individually definitely i agree individually we can get a little sidetracked right i can say okay right. this is what we're gonna do over the next eight weeks and then i show up and say okay what's you know how did that action plan go this week and they say well let me tell you what, this is what's going on with my son and my mother sick and you know then we end up sort of problem solving that stuff rather than sticking with, stay in the course right yeah. that's important And I think a lot of the times people aren't necessarily ready to dive into a course where they're going to stay on a predictable um, curriculum and predictable home practice every week.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing like a small group coaching. And I think the accountability is definitely bigger than one-on-one. Like they have to come in weekly and report what they've done to the group. And it's like, when they don't have something, like they didn't accomplish anything that week, they're like, Oh, and so like the next week, they're like, okay, wait, we're going to like, <laughs> we really got to show up for this group and like, make sure we're doing, you know, the things that we said we were going to do. So I totally can see that. How many people are in these groups? The group for p- people with persistent
1: pain, it's, it varies. I'd say six to 12 is. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. it, the group for OTs can be, can be bigger because that's an education group. Right. And um, yeah, that can vary.
0: So One thing that's come up too, which I'm not familiar with as far as like patient care goes and doing groups, what is like the documentation look like? Not your notes, but like beforehand, are you having them sign something that's saying like you're going to, you know, you're going to be with a group, like other people are going to know your information, like what kind of legal things are you having them sign to participate in the group therapy?
1: Mm -hmm. So I think, um, in, in Ontario, with our, with our college, it's more important that we, I mean, in terms of informed consent, the signing is not the key. It's making sure that they understand, okay. um, you know, verbally, that they've understood the dynamics of what's involved, what they're consenting to. So okay. I do have a consent form that they sign, and they sign it right within the Jane practice management software. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do get them to fill out an intake form where they share with me their diagnosis and their history and what they're most hoping to get out of it. But I'm not sharing that with anybody else. I'm not sharing right. that in the group. So I'm also clear, nobody has to share their diagnosis. Nobody has to share anything about their personal or uh, medical history. Mm-hmm. What they need to share is how they found the medications or how they're integrating the informal practices into their lives. Love it. Right? So if they choose to, te- to tell other people in the group, well, I've just been diagnosed with fibromyalgia or I've been living with fibromyalgia for 20 years, That's they can do that. But it's not, this isn't group therapy either. So the people sometimes come to the group and really hardly say anything. Some mm. people learn more by listening. That's okay too. Mm. I don't call on people and say specifically, how are you feeling are you right feeling? now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I leave a lot of silence and somebody answers the question. I love it. <laughs> a lot of silence. I am comfortable with silence. So... <laughs> Somebody's going to be less comfortable than me with silence (laughs) in any group.
0: My professor used to always say, you have to give everyone 17 seconds to answer. And it's like interesting when you're like in a group like that and you just wait and wait, somebody will answer within that 17 seconds.
1: (laughs) They will, they will. And I am happy to wait a lot longer than 17 seconds. So somebody's, so if we've just done a, a, a formal practice as part of the group, I will wait, you know, I'll say, so what did you notice? That gives people who don't want to answer out loud the chance to reflect on what did they notice, actually think about it before they're being interrupted by somebody else's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it gives the people who, who want to share the chance to to share their experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but part of the consent that I do ask is people, is allowed to record the, you know, if it's therapeutic, we're not recording it. Right. Um, and I do ask people if, that they be in a room that that they have their screen on so that people can see that there's nobody else there. Because mm. if somebody does choose to share private information, I don't want, I want them to know they're just sharing it with the closed, secure space of the group, not right. whoever else might be in the background. Mm-hmm. If possible, and it doesn't impact, you know, people's level of pain or this, and, right. you know, I do ask for headsets. Mm-hmm. And one of my supervisors did have somebody who was actually trying to do the group from a homeless shelter. So that did become a little more of an ethical issue of mm-hmm. this is a problem because this isn't really a space where, um, where other people's confidentiality can be respected if you're holding a phone in, you know, with video in, in mm-hmm. a shelter Literally, situation. Yeah. 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 So that was something that had to be dealt with. Of how can we find well, it wasn't my issue to deal with. It was somebody else at the Ottawa Mindfulness Clinic because it wasn't my course. But he did need to, to help that person figure out and um, empower that person to go speak with the um, you know someone running the the shelter and say, "Could I use the an office of an employee for that time because I'm actually in an appointment?" Yeah, you know that needs to be confidential. So yeah, that makes sense. There was space that could be found, but the person needed to be sort of encouraged and empowered to actually ask for that. mm Hmm.
0: I love that. All right. So, well, one quick question. So, Jane does the uh, handle group the group uh, calls, or no? You no, it do does them. not. Okay, yeah. you got to do them like on Zoom or somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. So
1: the Ottawa Mindfulness Clinic, as I say, is kind of stopped being an actual building, but they have they buy the, the medical version of Zoom, okay. yeah, yeah, healthcare yeah, version, the, yeah, the healthcare. Yeah. So then that can be shared among all the people teaching. So I can just. Log on to that okay. um, at a time that I'm teaching.
0: Okay, yeah, that's one of the things that I discuss a lot with the um, practice management software, you know, companies is that we a lot of OTs want to do groups, and so that's one of the things that would really be beneficial to add. Okay, so now let's go into your private patients. So where are they coming from? You mentioned a little bit um, earlier, but this is your own private practice,
1: right? Yes, this is my own right. private practice. All of this is my private practice. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, you know, it's a bit of when I'm teaching the course for people with persistent pain, it's a, uh, you know, there's, um, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a joint effort with the Ottawa Mindfulness Clinic. I mean, still, I'm running it. I'm giving them a percentage of it. And then that also helps in that it's run by psychologists, so they can uh, provide me some, some supervision and uh, co-sign the receipts for people who are getting psychotherapy you know, using it as psychotherapy? So that's, but yes, everything I'm doing is through my own practice. So my individual clients. (laughs) Um, so, uh, the biggest one is that veterans affairs, Canada does refer to me. So that's, um, they send me clients and I bill veterans affairs Canada for that as an individual Mm -hmm. provider in Canada. The there's a small number of OTs that work directly for veterans affairs and, um, They mostly do either working in the hospitals um, or uh, for older veterans, or they work at the office as, you know, local OTs that then um, subcontract out to community OTs. Okay. Okay. So that's a good chunk. Um, Workplace safety and insurance board. So that's gonna be people who are off work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that I see people through what they call their um, mental health stress injury program so i'm not seeing people who are off with a physical injury so much as right. with post traumatic stress or burnout issue that type of thing mm. and then privately so privately people will um people will hear about me through I'm listed on the Canadian Association of Occupational Therapists and the Ontario Society of Occupational Therapists. Mm. And I also post in in a group called Menopause Chicks. So that's women in midlife. And so they're often dealing with sleep issues and pain issues. Is that on Facebook? It is. Okay. And also I write uh, different articles for a group called Revolution Her, which is women entrepreneurs. So um, they're often interested in some help and support in terms of in terms of their wellness and sleep, stress, pain, that type of thing. So if people come to me privately, then generally they're booking uh, a discovery call or a clarity call, a 15-minute chat to, to make sure that I think I'm a good fit and they, they know what I can offer. And then I would book them in for an individual client appointment after that, or, or the group, if that was more appropriate. So the private
0: ones that aren't going through the work and aren't going through the VA, those are cash-based? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to go a little bit behind the scenes. Are your prices listed on your website? They are listed
1: once. So from my website, you can go, so they're listed on my Jane, once you're actually at the booking part. Right. They're not listed right on the front of my website, so you need to do a few clicks to get through to that. Gotcha. And they're not listed for, so Veterans Affairs. I mean, there's a specific price, and these are not round numbers for WSIP and <laughs> Veterans Affairs. So they're not listed there. The private the private numbers are listed.
0: Okay. Yeah. What's, your, what's the name of your business? Did we even say
1: this? <laughs> Sarah Good Occupational Therapy. Oh, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> so, my website is saragoodot.ca. Okay, I'm gonna go look at it while we're on.
0: Yeah. I love this. This is, I can't, I'm so fascinated by like the business side of things. And I said this on the last episode too. I'm thinking about transitioning this podcast into more entrepreneurship because that's where my passion is right now. Mm-hmm but like if anyone goes on your website right now it says is daily li- is daily life a struggle for you right now dealing with stress fatigue pain and overwhelm you're automatically hitting the pain points right there the emotion right there front and center on your website i absolutely love it i'm not going to keep going into it but i this is something for my uh, my coaching my business coaching clients right now to mm-hmm. to learn from and i so we love looking at other other practitioners' websites and kind of seeing
1: what's done well and what's not. So very good. So then from that page there, I'm trying to separate out people who might be therapy clients for me from other OTs because a lot of the services that I offer are for other OTs. So I'm trying to get them towards more of the courses that I offer there. So tell us about that and we'll, and we'll close off with this. Tell us
0: what you're offering for other occupational therapists about, it looks like a mindful, like you said, a mindfulness education course. So what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So that's an eight week course that is done in a combination of pre-recorded material and group calls. Mm -hmm. So each week there's um, some modules released and then there's And then there's a a live group call, which is also recorded because it hits people in different time zones. And the the idea of the program is it's got a few goals here. First one is to help OTs build up their own mindfulness practice so that they can use it as a coping strategy for themselves, build up their resilience. Mm -hmm. And the research shows that if we as practitioners are practicing mindfulness, it helps our patient and client outcomes, even if our clients aren't. Mm. even aware of what mindfulness is. So that's kind of the first goal. The next is to help people starting from week one to have ways that they can bring it directly to their clients, whether their clients are children, uh, parents of their clients, or adult clients. Um, So right away, it's tools and ideas, ways to explain mindfulness, informal practices that people can start right away bringing, meditation scripts and uh, handouts and so forth. And then the third is sharing evidence. So um, as the course, each during the different modules, I share evidence in different in different areas uh, to help people, you know, back up and justify why they're using mindfulness and have the research for that. Another big advantage of it too is people are connecting with other occupational therapists and learning how they're using it in their practice.
0: Yeah. Like the best thing that has happened this year, last year due to COVID, it's like connecting with other OTs. Absolutely. So I absolutely love it. I love that your curriculum is all laid out here on your website. It looks so good. Um,
1: so when are, when do you offer this? So I offer it, i I offered it in the fall. This is my, I'm in my second teaching of it right now. So I offered it in the fall of 2020 and right now uh, in February, 2021, mm-hmm. I'm running the second course. So I'll offer it again later on in 2021. So right now, if people are interested there's they go to the site and um, they can join kind of the wait list and I'll let them know of when the next course offering is and I'm also trying to offer some smaller offerings too rather than the whole course so right now I'm opening the invitation for people to come to just a day of mindfulness and I may do a few other webinars and smaller offerings as well to introduce people to mindfulness
0: I like it I like it a lot being completely like transparent what's been better for your business the private practice side or this side and i know you just started last fall but what yeah. are you seeing like what are you seeing is more, i don't know more fun more um lucrative easier
1: to market what, which one do you like better okay well it, it, it they're different different um different metrics, right? So the one-to-one clients. So I've been an occupational therapist for 18 years. I've had my own practice seeing one-on-one clients for seven years. So that's certainly the bulk of my income yeah. um, is seeing individual clients. And certainly it's it's the long-term what I've been doing. Teaching mindfulness to other OTs has really lit me up this year. It's right? been really exciting. Yes. And it's been you know, in a year that a lot of, there's been a lot of challenges, it's been a big plus. Yes. And I love that I can teach this to OTs who are then bringing these tools to clients in, I forget how many countries we've had yeah. people You're from. You're making but
0: like a, he- a bigger huge impact, right? Of yeah.
1: yeah. And so suddenly I'm impacting people in Germany and Finland right. and Australia and, you know, Right. that's far beyond the reach I could have. I only see clients in Ontario. Yeah. So, so that's been a huge in terms of impact and in terms of lighting me up. That's been really big.
0: Yeah. I love that. I relate to you on that so much. And I've been asked that too. It's like, why are you not seeing patients anymore? And I'm like, because like, well, first of all, life took me in this direction of coaching OTs on telehealth and now coaching OTs on how to open up their own private practices and get clients. <laughs> But I'm affecting so many more patients by training the trainer, like I say, than I am like serving the 10 kiddos I was serving in Florida. Like, <laughs> right. it's just such a huge impact globally, you know, thanks to technology. That, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, it's just like really, I get so excited talking about it and so excited to hear when other people are doing the same thing and enjoying it just as much as I am.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. One other thing that may be helpful to just direct your listeners to is on my website, um, there's a sleep tool, which people can download. So that's a free sleep tool. And that's a handout that I've made for clients. So it's probably more appropriate for adult clients or parents of Mm -hmm. the clients, but just sort of on ways uh, how to build your day for better sleep. So the occupations that you can put into your day to help improve sleep. Because I know so many of us are dealing with uh, clients who are having sleep issues during COVID.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And such a great example of like a great lead magnet right here. So anyone who's listening, if you haven't <laughs> developed a lead magnet for your email list, like this is follow <laughs> Sarah's example, because this is so good. Um, I have my little like top eight uh, telehealth products on my, you know, my website. And it's so uh-huh. helpful. Like people want to know, like, what acid are you using? What, you know, whatever. Like, and it's, and you, it's nice to just have it like on one PDF. So I love this. I'm going to sign up right now because I want to, I want to see this. My, my
1: husband needs this, so
0: don't tell him I said that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say as well, you can't be an OT for your own family, which I have to say just a comment on the telehealth is it is So I have one kid who sees an OT in my own house and a physio and another kid who I see a behavior therapist on behalf of. It is so much more family centered to be having the telehealth right now, even though our providers are local. Well, suddenly, instead of it being this huge thing where I need to drive and get a parking spot that's, you know, way at the other side of the children's hospital and pay for it and take, you know, two hours to go bring her to an appointment, suddenly she goes down to the basement with her laptop and does her physio with the physio. I mean, it's yeah, huge difference. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> So, so I have to say that that's something as well as a you know receiver of healthcare, that that um, telehealth services can really be much more family-centered.
0: Yes. I went to ask you earlier too, are you involving like caregivers? I guess it depends on the individual, but are you involving caregivers as much or most of your um, you know, your clients don't really need that additional like caregiver coaching or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say with my clients, I wouldn't label it as, I mean, most of my clients wouldn't have someone that I would say is a caregiver per se, but sometimes people pre- prefer ask their spouses to be there and that is wonderful. Okay. So, um, that's so just
0: like an additional uh, yeah. support system, but exactly. not necessarily like a caregiver. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being here. I've learned so much and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to get to know you and learn about what you're doing because you're doing amazing things. So kudos to you for being in the online space in every form
1: of the way. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful to talk to you and yeah. Thanks. having me legitimizing a bit more of the telehealth that we're doing these days. Yes, we need,
0: we need more stories. So if anyone listening wants to hop on the show, shoot me an email. I'll put Sarah's link in the comments, in the show notes, and I'll put my email in the show notes too. So, all right, everybody take care. If you're an occupational therapist and you want to know more about telehealth, be sure to join the Telehealth OT Facebook group for more information.